Hallelujah. Father God, Lord, this song truly reflects our hearts because we do love you and we adore you. And we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness. Now bless this service in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you to the band. God bless you. I'm experiencing what Pastor Harold experiences when he gets to the stage and God changes a little bit of your message. <laughs> There's so many things going through a person's mind and heart when you come to the stage. Our hearts are filled with God's love and God's grace. And this morning, I want to encourage the church. The church needs encouragement. You know, you need and in my eyes, many people do not understand encouragement. Encouragement to me is a word called challenge. <laughs> you, you need to challenge yourself to be encouraged. But this morning, I want to talk about be committed. Be committed. You see, this picture reflects what is ahead of us. And God says, do not worry what is ahead of you. Do not worry about that. Just Worship Him and be glad you're on the road. Because when you're on the road, you are heading somewhere. And this is what this message is all about. And I quickly want you to go to Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. Quickly, take your Bibles there, please. You know, there's a pastor. I just want to settle the atmosphere here. I can see there's a lot of tension here. There's a pastor who preached a fiery sermon. And the pastor mentioned in his sermon, you know, if I had all the wine in the world, I would pour it in the river. If I had all the brandy in the world, I would pour it in the river. If I had all the whiskey in the world, I would pour it in the river. If I had all the beer in the world, I would pour it in the river. And the band leader at the end said, Pastor, may we finish with a song or a hymn, let us gather by the river. Ah, oh, there the tension is gone. All right. Now let's get into the Word of God. Let's place the Word first. Now, the book of Galatians is a powerful book. It's one of the books in the Bible that you must study. There's so much truth in it. Many of the truths there are reflected in the compilation in the book of Romans. But here Paul reflects now quickly these experiences about a powerful church that God has used and God is busy equipping. And God, and now suddenly in the church, things have happened, you know. Suddenly there came things that stirred things around. Let's call it COVID or whatever. You know, call it anything. Make this personal now. I want you to make this message personal. Because I need to challenge myself about my commitment. I need to go back and see, George, when you made your commitments to this church, when you made your commitments to the body of Christ, when you made your commitments to your wife, when you made your commitments to the Word of God, when you made your commitments to your brothers and sisters, did, are you still there? Are you still at the place where the commitment in the beginning is actually that, that kind of commitment is growing 
because our commitments should never die down. This is the message. And this is the thing I need to challenge myself because at the end of the road, there is a gate. And there's actually only two gates. There is a gate and it's waiting for you and I. And we need to get to that gate. But people who do not make powerful commitments, they will struggle to get to the gate. They'll have much difficulty. I would rather have difficulty in the will of God than difficulty in my own will. Because difficulty in my own will will frustrate me as a Christian. But difficulty to the Word of God, to be committed to this Word, will bring challenges. And this church experienced challenges. So in Galatians 1, we see here Paul, an apostle, and he mentioned here, this portion was added here, not from men, but through, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me, grace to you and peace from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself to our sins, for our sins, that we might deliver, that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Are we in an evil age? We are definitely in an evil age. Believe me. I believe we are in the most evil age that has ever walked this planet. But it says here, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. But then he goes on. Now he starts explaining certain things. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from, from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. What is that different thing that is taking you away from your commitments? That different thing. That thing you know that the end of it will be death. At the end of it, there will be no fruit. At the end of it, it will not produce what is in your mind. Here Paul is challenging the church head on. And this is in a letter. And he says, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you that we should have preached to you, let him be accursed. This is how serious Paul takes this matter. The matter that happened to the people, the false doctrine, the people that came through the church, that distracted the church, the things that comes through the church that distracts the people, the things that comes through the world that distracts the person. That thing Paul is talking about. And he says here, the only way to deal with such a thing is to curse it. Let it be accursed. That is how serious he is about God's church. Therefore, the Lord reminded me this morning, those things I have called accursed, is it still accursed? Those things that would distract me from getting to that gate. And it's not just getting to the gate. It's about the things I do between the beginning and the end. That's what really matters in my life. Now I'd want to take you to the actual piece of Scripture. 
This is, this is a strong message. It's, it's not a hard message. I'm usually, you know, when we talk straight and we do, we say it's hard messages. No, this is a light message. To your spirit being, it's kind of like our spirit being says, preach it, brother. Bring it on. I know your spirit inside of you is saying, please don't stop. I need it. This person, this body needs it. I need it. You need it. I know your, your spirit is yearning for the unadulterated, pure, powerful Word of God because it's that kind of Word that changed our lives. Amen. Amen. But now Paul, you know, it scares me to read this for me. I, I, I get afraid when I read this because this keeps me on track. Galatians 6 from verse 7. Or let's say verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. It's so powerful to hear your testimonies on when there's ministry of the word of God and Pastor Harold ministers in the Bible school and you do Bible. And when there's ministry, how it challenges and changes people's lives. Therefore, it says it needs to be shared. You need to share the things that's busy helping you. But then it says, this is the greatest reminder. You should, this piece of scripture should be one of your, your standout pieces that helps you in your life. It says here, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will reap. This is a universal principle. It's universal. It is for the world and it's for the body of Christ, but much more to the body of Christ. And it says here, whatever you put in, you will get out. That's it. The measure by which you put in, that's the measure. You cannot get more out than what you've put in. You cannot. It's impossible. People that get more out, that's what we call theft. <laughs> and there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> but only what you put in. You get out. And you can see in a person's commitment what they're busy putting in. You can see it. It's visible. You hear it, you see it, and you experience it. It is, it is a wonderful thing to experience a person that's on fire for Jesus. But it's the most powerful thing when that person turns 80 and he's still on fire for Jesus. Amen. So, any 80 years old people here today again, <laughs> be on fire for your Lord. But then it goes on, it says, For he who sows to his flesh will reap, will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You see, sowing to the Spirit is everything that happens basically in your spiritual life which is connected to the body of Christ. Christ his body, because only saved people are in His body. Listen to this very carefully, because corporately, the church, the church is not just, we've seen so many people that says, I'm living my kind of a way. I'm living the way I interpret how it should be. No, God only interprets what is inside His body. Those people are the people 
that truly what you put in, you'll get out. And do never attach your worldly success to the kingdom success. Because we have seen so many people who are talented. Do you know that actually most talented people are hiding behind their talents? It doesn't mean when you are talented that you are truly useful. It is those who've made commitments and it could be the person that walks in here today that basically works in our garden in the church. That could be the most effective person in this building today. So it doesn't mean I have studied at university. I've done my degrees. I, I am truly a successful person. That that kind of person is a successful person in the body of Christ. Because in the body of Christ, it is about obedience. And it's only obedience. When a, tr a person truly becomes obedient to Christ, it's not about the storm, it's about the journey. It's not about the storm. Why did, how did Paul get it right to go through all of those storms? It is impossible for any man to handle what Paul handled. Literally, he had Satan on his case every single moment of every moment. First, he had him encouraging him to persecute the church. And after that, then he persecuted him. And God allowed it. God allowed because you do not persecute the church and get away with it. That's why Paul had to stand his man. Paul had to understand what it means to operate and live by the grace of God. It is once a person understands the grace of God that you say, I can make a commitment. I've seen that people who do not understand the grace of God do not make commitments. Because the grace of God empowers me to make powerful commitments in my life. But when I don't understand the grace, that the grace is the power of God. The grace is the power of God and a person that makes a commitment to their God is a person that becomes useful in God's hands. And such is a very powerful... You see, Peter, now the sermon starts. Peter, Peter at the beginning, the Lord said, Peter, follow me. I want to introduce you to a word, follow me, what it means. Because it's two different kinds of meanings in the Bible, follow and follow. In the beginning, here in John, actually, let, let me go to the end. Because there's two follows that Peter did. Listen to this. In John 21, 15, he says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? That's actually my sermon. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the person next to you? This is basically what God, the Lord, asked Peter. Do you love me more than the person next, those, those 11? Do you love me more than them? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. This is now a Peter that is so, he made probably the greatest mistake any Christian could make. 
I, I, I do not want to put myself in his shoes. I think it's, he felt the same as Judas. It's just Judas is experiencing right now at this moment what basically both of them experienced. But Peter's is deeper because it's personal. Have you ever boasted where you said, I'm going to serve the Lord? You say it to your family. You say it in your workplace. You say it to everybody. I'm going to serve Jesus. Look at me. And he even said to the Lord, you know, I'll follow you to death. I'm boasting. I'm making a boastful statement. I'll follow you, Lord. But when pressure time come, we know that he, he failed. The greatest failure of Peter's life was the fact that he denied the Lord. Many people are still denying the Lord by their actions, by their commitments. But let me not go there now. Let me finish this. Here the Lord says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things that I love you. And the Lord said, feed my sheep. The focus here is the Lord asking him, do you love me more than the person next to you? Than those that have committed as well, but they've not been boastful. But here the Lord restores him. You see, the first time the Lord called him, the Lord said to him, Simon, son of Jonah. Here again, the Lord comes with exactly the same statement. He changed his name to Peter. But here, like the beginning, he says again, as the same as the beginning, Simon, son of Jonah. Your second chance have arrived. Now is your second. Now you are going to walk in your real purpose. You will never boast again. You'll show the world by your obedience that you love me. Because that's what it's all about. Now, with the second calling, you see the first calling was the word follow me. And the word follow me means something different than follow. It means here in the Greek, for those of you, just quickly, opiso is the Greek word. And this Greek word means the following. It means, actually it's deep, but I'm just going to make it very simple. It means leave things behind. The first calling was leave things behind. Now with the second calling, Basically here, the Lord says, the second time, the last words he used, you can go and read it. The Lord again said to him, Peter, follow me. You know what the second one means? It means, Peter, be my companion. Be my companion. You see, Jesus invites us in companionship on the road not to go and face the storms without Him, but to be a true follower of Him is to have a companion till you walk through the gates. And He wants to be the only companion to you. And He has even given us the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and to make Him real. 
When you are placed in the body of Christ, you have the Spirit of God. Now the Spirit of God teaches you how the mind of Christ works so that you might come into a flow with your life into unity, what the church does. Because the church, listen, the church is the body of Christ. The church, there's a deep understanding here. There are too many people doing their own thing. And I, I'm having a very relaxed time now. As a pastor, for many years, I have so worried about people's spiritual lives. that sometimes, you know, it would make us emotional when you see a person making a wrong decision, when you see people really not, not getting to the place they should get. And even through COVID and all of this stuff, I have learned now that the Lord said to me, George, do not worry, send them to me. What do, what do I mean with that? What it means is that when a person says, you know what, I, I feel like coming to church once a month, I would say to such a person, go to Jesus and say that to him. Don't say it to me. I, I feel like, you know, the tithe. <laughs> you know, my tithe, it's a, such, you know, it feels like it's, it's, such, it's a hot thing. You know, the petrol is too much. I cannot handle it anymore. Go and tell it to Jesus. Do not tell it to me. I am not God. We as pastors, we are shepherds. We've got to take you to the gate. Amen. But it's your responsibility to hear the voice of Jesus on your road. It's your responsibility. You have to get to Jesus. He's got to be the person that signs you off on your commitments. So when I make a commitment to the Lord about my finances, it is basically I submit and commit it to Him. Now it becomes easy. If the tithe is the tithe, then I've got, you know, how do I change it? Lord, I'm going to pay it. Let's see how you're going to help me through it. Amen. I mean, that's, that's the journey. That's the obedience journey that you do not worry anymore. Do not worry about tomorrow. For the, tomorrow, the worries about tomorrow will take care of itself. There will every day, every day be a new worry. But my commitment will take me through the worry. And God knows because commitment is faith related. Commitment is, you know, when you've made a commitment, it's, it's when you've made a commitment to your wife, when you've made a commitment to your kids, when you've made a commitment to your colleagues, I'll be there. Even if I go through troubles and trials and whatever, but I'm going to get through it. And when I'm through it, then I glorify God. Then I've grown through it. Amen. So, the second follow me, that companionship. Are you a companion? See, Christianity is much more interesting than it looks like. It is much more powerful. It is, it is you know, it's, it's personal how I relate to Jesus. But I know for a fact that if I make the right commitments, those commitments will carry me to His will every day. So we need to renew our vows. Amen. We need to review and renew our commitments that we've made. And that should be done not at 31st of December, 
It's a daily thing. It's, it's, it's connected to my inner room. It's connected to my prayer life. It is connected to the way I live myself. And this is what Paul is basically saying here. Now, here's some scriptures just, on, just to tell you that follow, that first follow the Lord said to them when he called Peter. He says, follow me. Actually, in the Greek, it says, put things behind you. Okay. Put things behind. That follow means put things behind you. Move on. Put things behind you. And we see that that word follow is as well connected to the word behind and back. Listen to these scriptures. It says here in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. You see, Paul, <laughs> one thing he did, forgetting those things which are behind. You see, in this new follow, now he forgets the fact that he murdered people. He had to get beyond that. And then he says, and reaching forward. You see, that's the commitment. If there's no commitment, it's just intention. Intention means nothing. Intention is just an idea. But commitment is literally where now I bear forward. How many of you are bearing forward with your faith in, the, in, a, in this hour? If the revival would come tonight in the service, if tonight God says those who will be in this service will experience a new me, how many people will miss it? Because to be the body of Christ, you need to be in the body of Christ, busy with the body of Christ. Amen. It says here, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. There are things ahead for your life personally. There are beautiful spiritual things ahead. You see, God has written your book already. And are you getting to the things God wants to do with you? But if it's not the forward, then it's just the intention. Lord, I will pray. Oh, this Saturday, I promise. This Saturday, I'm coming to the prayer meeting. This Tuesday, I'm going to sell. But then you find yourself, you are tired. <laughs> you have nothing left. Your boss has worn you out. You just don't have it. Commitment forward is the motion of the Spirit of God. Listen to this one. Verse 14, Philippians 3.14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. You see, commitments, every commitment I make is an upward movement because the gate is up there. The other gate is down there. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that gate. It's the most horrible gate you will ever... May no person in this building ever be working themselves towards that gate. May no person in this building make decisions that works yourself towards that gate. But now I bear forward that upward call. Every day, every hour, every month, I'll be better by the end of this year. I will be more fruitful and more useful. You see, what is good works? 
What is a good work? You might not, not have heard this before. A good work is your fruit. So, if there's no good works, there's no good fruit. So, it's, we are not called by works or saved by works. We are called to works. And a work is a hard thing, believe me. To get that nice, shiny apple, hey, it's, it's hard work. You've got to trim the tree. You've got to clean for the right season to bear fruit. There's a lot of work going into it. Mark 13, 16, listen to this. Mark's, Mark 13, 16. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Not go back. I know this, this, the focus of that scripture is for a certain period where things will get very terrible on this earth. And then it says, do not go back to get your clothes. Do not go back to the old things. I've got you. This is what God says, I've got you. If you bear forward, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. Do you believe it? God's got you. And then a terrible scripture, John 6, 66. This is the triple six verse. This is a terrible verse. <laughs> this is one of those Nachmeri verse. John triple six. May you never forget this. John triple six says, from that time, many of disciples went back and walked with him no more. May it never happen to you. May you truly follow Christ all the days of your life. This is serious. So, let me move on because I want, I'm finishing off with 1 Peter 4.16. 1 Peter, this is very important, what I'm going to say now. 1 Peter 4.16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him Glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. And it has started. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not Obey the gospel. What will be your end? Are you thinking about it? This is so serious. Our hearts as pastors, we are burdened by it. We thank God that this church is growing. We thank God we had a powerful, powerful group of people joining our church. It shows you that when a church works, when people are committed, the church will grow. But then it says, listen to this. If the righteous one is scarcely saved, 
Where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Now, this is the way it's done. This is what my message is all about. It says here, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good. As to a faithful creator, the committing of your soul unto Him, unto good works, is committing your complete life to Him. And then He takes you. And then he starts working on you. And when he's finished, you will look like Christ. Amen. So, there was something I wanted to read to you. Just end off on a serious note here. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And these two things, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. The end of those two. Many people are praying. Many people are experiencing hard things. But distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Given to hospitality is where you open up your life for Christ. We cannot be separated from people. That's not the way it's done. I cannot be out of leadership for all of my Christian life. I cannot be because Peter said to the Lord, Lord, I love you. I will phileo you. I have brotherly love towards you. But Jesus said to him, that's not good enough. I want agape love. And agape love is unconditional surrendered love. Jesus had to come to this earth and unconditionally surrender him to the will of the Father. And when that unconditional surrender happens, then Christianity will only make sense. It will not make sense to a person that is not fully surrendered. Please stand. Give the Lord a praise offering. Psalm 37 from verse 7 from verse 5 says the following to all of you. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. God is aware of those children of His, like we prayed, prayed the Saturday, those who are going through a hard time and you are victimized and you are paralyzed with fear. Not anymore. It says here, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Patience is the character God wants to build in us now. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. If the world prospers, if you drive in your little Mazda and a Ferrari comes by, bless the guy. Do not fret of 
him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Okay, here's the key. Because some of, some of us, that's, that's why you need to come to church, specifically tonight. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Father God, Lord, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Lord, this day, all of us, we make new commitments. May your spirit lead us, renew us, refresh us, strengthen us. This we ask humbly. Help us on our journey. For those who have made mistakes, for those who are not where they should be, we ask you that your grace will empower them today, that each person here will have a meeting with their God and make new commitments. I pray your blessing upon your people now, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.